Hello, everyone, and welcome back to HOA, It's a True Story. Today, we are talking about the material madness and the increasing cost of lumber. Our guest today is John Miller of Golden State Lumber, one of Northern California's largest lumber retailers. So, John, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. So, John, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been in the lumber lumber sales, lumber sales industry. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. I'd love to. My background is actually in ministry, and I went to Bible college and was thinking the whole time I'd be going into ministry. started having children and decided that pastors were out at all hours of the night, and I wanted to be raising kids and wanted to be coaching sports. And then the next thing, you know, you think, well, now you me, and uh, well, what do I like? And I, you know, always thought, well, I'm always at Southern Lumber looking at that hardwood on. And so I actually knew folks at two lumber yards in the Bay Area and was in my 20s and so approached them and ended up starting there. So I've been doing it for probably pushing 35 years. Been in sales the entire time. In fact, when I first got interviewed, they told me I needed to work in the yard, and I said, "Well, this this interview's over. I'm not working in the yard." <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of, kind of knew who I was. I knew that I was going to do you know, selling and you know humping lumber. So been doing it a while now. So that's quite a while. What kind of changes then have you seen in lumber or other building materials in the last three years? Well, it seems like there's just variety of products that are out there now. You know, I, I always get a kick. I've tried to actually train my customers to know what they're buying because like in our trim and fascia market, we carry about six different products. So there's just so many. And for me, my bread and butter is the HOA industry. I have about 18 customers in that arena. And so everyone's, you know, like using all these different products and we're constantly trying to educate people on what are different products they could be using that are cost-effective as well as not being back there replacing them right away because they don't last. But let me ask you, Bill, uh, also with us today is Bill Mann, the president of GB Group, and Ryan Brown, vice president at GB Group. Bill, you and I have done several presentations on the changing cost of construction in its entirety. How big have you seen that the material costs are part of that increase? Well, certainly since the pandemic started becoming a bigger, the natural products, the redwoods and cedar and stuff, it's been a pretty substantial increase to the cost. Prior, I think labor was stripping ahead of material, but we're seeing the natural wood products, which had traditionally been less expensive than some of the man-made products. Ryan, working in production as closely as you do, what have you seen that the material increases have affected your role? Mostly in the arena of when we send a proposal to an HOA community, a decision usually isn't made on that proposal for sometimes several months. In some instances, I've seen it take as long as multiple years where they kind of haven't made a decision on the project. And what is a surprise to them is when they go to sign up to do the project and several months have passed, that proposal is no longer accurate because of how up or down the fluctuation of the material pricing has gone. So... In a lot of ways, that's probably the most 
that I see affecting my role is the re-education of the material pricing going up as time goes by. John, what is driving up lumber prices? It seems like recently we've really seen that happening. I kind of have my theory, but tell me what you guys are seeing as driving up price. Yeah, it's been a crazy time. So first and foremost, you know, we need to understand that lumber and plywood or panels are commodity prices. So they move, they move with stock market. So these are things that are constantly fluctuating. We've seen major increases since the beginning of COVID. So let's call it late March, early April. And then everything died. We all got shut down. You know, all the builders got shut down. And so the mills, you know, many mills shut down. An example would also be some trucks just shut their mills down. So, you know, we went through weeks of this where there was no production going on at all. And then when they, uh, California finally released us all to go back to work, you know, we came screaming back. You know, you guys just started burning it up again. Everybody started working like crazy. So now we have this huge demand and we have no supply because they just quit producing. And then, as you all remember, we were involved in all the fires. You know, some of the mills were involved in the fires, whether it be just they had to shut down production and evacuate, or some may have actually burned down. But, you know, there was forestry that was affected during that time, too. So these things as a combination all affect it. I don't know. Somebody just asked me if I thought that, you know, some of the rioting and, the you know, run on some of the panels affected things. That's a possibility. It's probably the least of all of them. But anytime there's a disaster, if there's a hurricane on the East Coast, it affects panels on the West Coast because there's only so many people producing panels. So those things all tie together. But in California, you know, it's going to be the COVID situation and then the fires. Hey, John, yeah. do, do they also kind of take into consideration, you talked about the spike in demand, you know, coming back into construction, you know, all the products are in high demand right now. Are the manufacturers taking that into consideration and knowing that they have such a high demand, adjusting the price accordingly? Well, it sure be our, our uh, theory over here. You know, we, we think that that's a perfect opportunity, right, for them to raise their prices and make up for you know, lost time. So I don't have any evidence of that. But yeah, that, that'd be a sneaking suspicion. Sure. Two years ago, there were tariffs being set up mm-hmm. and it was affecting what we were getting in from other countries. Most of those kind of went away the following year. But do you still have any impact from the political aspect? You know, I haven't heard that, but you are correct, Reagan, in that a few years ago, you know, our cedar comes from Canada. And so we were seeing major increases there because of all those tariffs that were going on. That one hasn't been spoke of much. So, you know, that one I I haven't heard much banter about. And and basically what we're getting out of Canada is a cedar. We're not getting the dug fir. We're not getting the panels typically from there. Most of the dug fir and the redwood is coming Northern California, Washington, Oregon. Same with the panels. John, I had a quick question for you. You know, Golden Mm -hmm. State Lumber is a major retailer of windows and doors, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. What have you been seeing in that arena in terms of lead times 
for being able to receive sliding glass doors, windows, other utility doors, things like that. I know you guys work a lot, a lot with the large manufacturers and I've heard that they've had some delays. Can you shine some light on that? Yeah, I can do a little bit. I'm in the lumber side of things and uh, my coworker, Tim, that does the doors and windows is not sitting here with me. But yeah, I think that generally speaking, you know, kind of loosely, because again, I'm not in that division, but, you know, I think it's probably adding a couple of weeks or so to it, in, you know, loosely, but definitely everything. And the other thing you have to think about is trucking. Trucking's been an issue too. And then with COVID, it, everything's more difficult, you know, just all the requirements. So I was on a sales call today or a sales meeting call with all of our buyers of our company. And I was kind of keeping my ears open to help you guys today. And trucking was one of them. As we get into this next season, trucking will get worse because it's more beneficial for them to truck Christmas trees than it is for lumber. So it creates even a bigger problem as we get into this season. How frequent then are you seeing the price changes? Because I know Bill has mentioned that it's really been impacting estimating. And then as Ryan mentioned, it's impacting lead time. So what are you seeing the frequency of the price change? Well, it's calmed down some, but in the middle of this, so what are we in November? Let's say if he June, July, August, September, we were seeing, we, we get a market report, you know, out that gives us kind of like what the cost being trucked in or are we use that as a, you know, plus and that's our replacement cost. We were seeing those sheets change about three times a week. So that's how fast it was changing. Quarterly, I tend to put out kind of a helpful, kind of a high price for you guys that did little jobs off of and stuff. And I couldn't do it. And so I kind of waited till it kind of what I thought might be the top and I put one out and I'm not kidding you. The next day it was changing again and two days later it was going up again and it continued to go up. So lately we've started to see a bit of a slide, but now we're having trouble getting products. So always be here. All these things are going to be like non-existent. Out of the different types mm-hmm. of uh, lumber types, let's say pressure treated, redwood, things like that, which product are you having the most difficult time with pricing wise and getting your hands on it? Well, a few things. So at the very when we all came out of out of the shelter in place, fence boards were non-existent. I mean, we could not get our hands on fence boards. Pressure for treated like, for, like, uh, for like patio fencing and things like that. Yeah, and what happened during shelter in place is everybody started working from home, right? So, so I don't really sell homeowners much. Homeowners came out of the woodwork trying to fix up their backyards. I mean, like astronomically came out of the woodwork, and they all started spending money wanting to do decks and arbors and fences, and we could not get our hands on fencing. And when it came in, we were a thousand boards oversold. By the time it hit the ground, it was gone. So fence boards for sure. And then the quality got worse and worse and worse. At the beginning, the quality was amazing. And then pretty soon it was like, oh my God, garbage now. We did have some shortages on pressure treated related to, you know, outdoor project. Products like Trex were months out. And they quit producing their lower ends and we're only going for their higher ends to catch up. We're having trouble right now with radiant barriers. So like 
tech shield, you know, radiant barrier for your your roofs. That's going to be tough right now. They were saying on today's phone call, SB is spiking tremendously right now. They're saying it's starting to really spike. So back to prices, prices started going down and they're going to come back up. Let me ask you a question, Bill, because specifically with the price change happening that quickly, he was mentioning as much as three times a week. How is that affecting contractors' ability to give a legitimate price for a job? Well, I mean, basically quote it the day you quote it and, you know, and then you have to recheck it when it finally gets the bid kind of gets accepted. It's been a very difficult process with the boards. The boards don't want to understand that the price has changed. They feel like that's the contractor's problem there. Have you seen problems with that happening, John, where you've quoted a price to the contractor and by the time the HOA board has made a decision, it's so drastically out of whack? Yeah. And if you if you ever look at anything and I give you, you know, give my customers for it, I put terms on them. And if you read my terms, I only really give a wink that my terms are good, even in a more neutral market. And that's because it is a commodity and I can't guarantee you what things are going to be. Now, that being said, this is a relationship business. And so I might say you have one week to accept this and 90 days to ship complete. So I do that to cover ourselves. But like if nothing's happened and you come back to me in 30 days and the market hasn't moved, I go, hey, nothing happened. Let's just redo the terms. And so then we just move the terms out to where it helps you guys. But yeah, we have to protect them. You know, we have to protect our company and ourselves. But one thing that I'll say is that, you know, it's all a gamble for all of us. When I sign for anybody in the middle of it, man, the market could start running and, you know, it can go the way that I wouldn't want it to go. And I'm starting to write negative numbers. I've had contractors say, oh, you guys are always trying to raise the prices. Well, it happens to us, too. We get stuck with, you know, bad pricing on ours. You know, we've quoted too low, and now the prices go up, and now they start to hit our inventories. The next thing you know, we're writing negative numbers in the middle of it. So it's a gamble for all of us. It happens both ways. You mentioned earlier, like, some of the what we call cementitious or man-made type products. Mm-hmm. They were all the rage a few years ago, especially when we were having those really wet winters and there was a lot of water. Right. You know, are you still seeing those as being as popular as they were? And how do they compare in pricing to regular traditional lumber product? Good question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, a product like Hardy is still king out there as far as the cementitious boards and so on. Still sell quite a few. Uh, you know, a lot of HOAs are using it still quite a bit. Price-wise, I mean, here's a silly little example, but uh, just doing a shed with my son, I kind of like T111 better than I like Hardy, you know, and so I didn't give him the option. I just decided that's what we're using because I wanted it to look classy and, you know, nice. But I priced it later and, yeah, you know, I could have saved them some money for sure. You know, it was 10, 15 bucks a sheet less if I would have used the Hardy. So, you know, in some cases, the Hardy is cheaper way to go. It's just a matter of what, you know, what look you like. And the one thing that I do appreciate about a product like Hardy or, you know, stepping up price-wise and so on, like Boral, 
or these, oh, it's one and done. They're bulletproof. You don't come back and do them again. And, you know, the HOA gets their value. They may not want to spend the money on it. You know, I think sometimes they should spend the money on them and get it done one time rather than putting a product out there that maybe doesn't have any value as far as bug resistance and so on. And then it rots and water damage and so on. Bill, what are you hearing from customers out there in regards to maybe crossing over to some of the man-made products? Are they still interested or? Yeah, if there's not huge structural issues, like with the T111, going from T111 to man-made product usually requires shear to get through the shear and then the man-made product and stuff. It's more expensive than going back with a T111 product. If you have lap siding, you know, some of the old organic and wood products that have failed. A lot of people are going back to hard, hard, hardy type product. One thing about hardy is the paint holds up better. It doesn't have the decay and rot issues. So we do see some switch over to that. LP is another product that seems to be making a huge mm-hmm. in some areas as well, since it has such a long warranty period. Are you installed and hardy? It is. That's what that was my next question is, are you seeing it easier from a production end using just simple old lumber products like T111? Or is it, you know, easier to put in some of the man-made products? I would say like, if you're going doing a lap siding, it's certainly easier to do LP would probably be the easiest. Uh, Wood would be the second and Hardy would be the third. With Hardy, it kicks up silica when you cut it. So there's also some safety requirements that kind of come with handling Hardy and installing Hardy. You have to have certain respirators and dust cleanup machines, things like that. Those are things that I kind of consider more tedious when it comes to the install. But Bill said the life on them, I felt, is better and they definitely are easier to paint. Well, one of the other things, too, a lot of people don't take into consideration is the fire restivity as well. Hardy really holds up well to flame and doesn't fall off the building. So if you're in a high fire area, it would definitely be my choice of siding products. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, Northern California these days has, has been a pretty tough market for fire issues. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are considering that. One thing that I would add would be the manufacturing requirements that Hardy has for installing their products. They have a whole set of specifications and protocols that they require in order to obtain the manufacturing warranty from them. So for all the HOAs out there listening, that's definitely something you want to talk with your contractor on and making sure that not only are you getting the contractor's warranty, but they're doing it to the specifications that you're able to capture the manufacturing warranty. Very good point. It's a really good point. If I could just add one thing. Yeah, please. That's when folk builders are finger joint products, and they'll say, well, they want a two by three, and I'll say, well, they don't make a two by three, got a two by six or two by four, but I warn them every time. I said, being a finger joint product, you're probably voiding the warranty and you're also opening up yourself to, it could be, it'll fail. That's my point. You need to think about like if you're making little um, pony walls out on the balcony and I've seen, you know, people call me out and they're used finger joints on everything and it's just sitting there and the water's just sitting on top of it. You know, not a good idea. So I always recommend if you're going to use a flat product, use a solid product, or as you guys do a lot, as I sell a lot of beveled caps, you know, make a beveled cap out of a solid product. 
So those are little tidbits as far as which product's the right product to use out on the job. Absolutely. And for the people Don't listening, I have really good experience with using AZAC for those set of those yep. settings as well. John, okay. for the people listening at home, can you explain in a little more detail what a finger jointed board is just so they know what to look for when that term comes up? Sure. Finger joint means they'll use pieces of small pieces and join them all back together. It could be lengthwise and it could also be edge glued where they're side to side. So a two by eight could be edge glued across the seven and a quarter part. And then it's going to be also down the 20 foot length. And I'm not opposed to those products at all. Some people are, but I think a lot of them are very good. There's some really good brands out there, some really good products, but you just got to be careful how you use them. You just don't want to, you know, letting it sit there and let water just sit on top of it. It's it's better for trim on the house or face up on the, you know, the eaves and so on. John, when the Golden State first started selling the finger-jointed cedar siding, I had some leftover and I did a fence in my backyard going in San Francisco. It's going on mm-hmm. years and it looks great. <laughs> oh, good. Ah, nice. Well, John, the name of the podcast is HOA It's a True Story. And at the end of our podcast, we ask everyone to tell us their favorite story. So can you please share with us what's your favorite HOA story? Um, I'll tell a couple things. I don't know if they're exactly related to HOAs, but just funny things in the office here, you know, we all sit in cubicles. And so, you know, things that customers will ask us and stuff, sometimes we get a kick out of. And one of the guys here, somebody sent him a picture of some siding and wanted him to identify the siding through a picture. And he wrote back and he said, can you put a tape on it? And the guy sent the picture back with a piece of blue tape on it because I have no idea why you want tape on it, but here it is. <laughs> so we all we all realized we wanted a tape measure on it so we could identify it. But another tragic one was that I just blew my mind, but then the homeowner's response was quite something else. So uh, one of my builders was like a week or so away from this high-end remodel. And the customers had moved out, and uh, one of the guys was out staying, and he threw rags inside the house in a garbage can. And you know what I'm going to say. Caught on fire, burned everything they they had done down. And I said, oh, my gosh, because this is a guy that I would have wanted to work on my house. He's really, really good. And I said, oh, my gosh, how did the homeowners take it? He says, actually, really good, because they said they didn't like a lot of their decisions they made. (laughs) They were willing to do it it over. And I said, who in the world says that? So anyway, that one was kind of tragic, but turned kind of funny in the end. And the homeowners were actually okay with it. And they must have had a buttload of money. And so they were okay to do it again. So having gone through a fire, I cannot say that I would be willing to do that again. (laughs) Well, he got very lucky. I'll tell you that. Well, uh, I want to thank you so very much for coming on and sharing with us some insight into the lumber industry. And for the rest of you, thank you for listening today. And if you'd like more information about today's topic or any of our podcast topics, please reach out to us via our website, or you can email us at inquiry at gbgroupinc.com. And I want to thank you again, John, and thank you, Bill and Ryan, for spending time with us today. Thanks, guys. 
Thank my, you. My pleasure. Thanks for asking me.